This is Creator Culture by Hashtag Paid. Hey, I'm Danny DeSatnik, and this is a podcast all about creators, but not just any creators. I'm talking about captivating storytellers and masterful videographers and generational writers. These are people that I feel are underrated, no matter how big their social following and or people that I love to invest in. Each conversation explores the impact these creators have on the people around them. And what you'll find is not only astonishing, but inspiring. Today's guest is Danny Miranda. He's the host and creator of the Danny Miranda podcast, a top 1% podcast in the world. It's so energizing to learn how big his vision is for the podcast and to see how much work he puts into becoming the best at what he does. There's a story about how LeBron invests millions back into his body every single year because that's the vehicle in which he's going to be able to continue to thrive. Danny's on the same wavelength. It's just all related to communication, podcasting, and content. He's focused on getting 1% better every day. And I'll say it now, Danny will be the biggest podcaster in a couple of years. So as always, before we get to the episode, here are three things about Danny that you should know. Danny has recorded over 250 episodes with massive personalities like Gary Vaynerchuk and Rory Sutherland. In the past month, his podcast clips have received over 5 million views on social media. And Danny's been creating for years in different formats, way before his podcast. In 2013, he ran a successful New York Knicks blog and so much more. So with that, let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Danny Miranda. I heard your name for the first time probably five months ago, six months ago. Got a shout out, Tom Boyd. Um, I'd asked Tom, I was going to New York, I was putting on some event. I was like, Boyd, what creators should I know? What creators should I reach out to? Your name came up. Never heard of Danny Miranda. But right off the bat, the only thing that is associated in my mind with Miranda are the Miranda rights. And so that goes to the back of my mind. I meet you. We have lunch whatever, we become friends. And I'm like, dude, this is so interesting because the Miranda rights is almost saying like, shut up, don't say anything. Because if you don't, if you say something, that's going to be used against you in court and you're in a pretty emotional space, don't say the thing. Yet here you, like the Danny Miranda rights is no, say it all, like inspire me, inspire others. And I was like, that's such a crazy dichotomy, such a crazy difference. You add Danny in front of them and how you're so different from that, yet... They're both so powerful. Yeah, dude. Well, first of all, I'm honored to be on this show and I'm honored to be in this position because I really respect you as an interviewer and I've listened to a bunch of your episodes and I've always admired the way you ask questions because I listen to your episodes to prepare for some of my guests and I've always been really inspired by the questions you ask. So first of all, thank you for bringing me here. I'm humbled by that. And second, it's a really interesting observation because my parents are both lawyers and them being lawyers has helped me communicate because they're such strong communicators themselves, both verbally and written. It has led to me being interested in journalism. It's led to me being interested in talking to people. And really what I'm doing is I'm studying communication with every person that I'm interviewing. And I'm learning how to be a better communicator. I'm learning how to be a better speaker. I'm learning how to be a better listener. And those are all skills that, one, my parents imparted to me genetically, 
like there's some genetic component Two, there's some learning component that they've cognitively and consciously taught me. And so while I'm nowhere close to the communicator I want to be, I'm really grateful for what they've instilled in me. And it's interesting how Miranda rights is associated with that in some capacity as well. I feel like I was going to say that's serendipitous, but that's definitely not. Something was meant to happen there. Do talk to me about what is that one thing that when I say what is one thing that your parents have imparted on you growing up from a communication perspective, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? From a communication perspective, it's emotional intelligence. My mom is probably the most emotionally intelligent person I know. And when periods of my life when I wasn't as emotionally intelligent, I could always go to her for advice or go to her for an unbiased, unfiltered look into reality. And she's really incredible at being a mirror for the truth. And I just assumed everyone had a mom like this because that was my mom. But then I grow up and I see different people's parents and I see it in myself, the same qualities that a lot of people compliment me on. I'm just saying, no, I got it from my mom. Like my mom is the one who is able to be a mirror, who's able to be almost a therapist for any situation. And so because of that, I think that's the, the number one thing that they've taught me about communication is, is just emotional intelligence and being able to listen and, and hear the other person and be able to give them interesting feedback on what they just said or where they're going next. So yeah, thanks mom and dad for, for that component. Did your parents sound integral to what you're doing right now and the path that you're on? 1000%. I mean, I'm sitting at this desk right now. It was the same place where I was writing my first newsletter when I was eight years old or seven called The Sunny Times. And I'm writing about the latest news and the happenings of around the world and sports. And so without their encouragement, without a computer to create that on, not like that is my true essence, my true human being is like creating and journalism and communicating what I see the world to be to the rest of the world. And that only happened and I only got that opportunity because my parents were so encouraging. Oh, you you like journalism. Why don't you start like the things that I was doing? It wasn't that they were telling me to do anything ever. It was always like, oh, that's awesome that you're doing that. When I was 12 years old, I created a, a little league my, for my little league baseball team. It was a website that I created on the highlights and the happenings and what what was good there. When I was 13, it was a time management blog. When I was 15, it was a Knicks blog, right? So there were signs of my communication at a very young age. And never once did my parents say, nah, don't do that. That's silly. That's dumb. That's stupid. What are you doing? It was always them saying, this is awesome. Like incredible. Like, how are you doing this? Who gave you this idea? And it was just really encouraging. I grew up in a really encouraging environment. Did to say that your one of the greatest things that you can do again is the communication style is getting other people to see the world the way you see it do you're a philosopher <laughs> i'm i'm just trying to learn as much as i can in my brief time on here and hopefully share it with other people and if that turns me into a philosopher so be it but i appreciate the kind words wild dude crazy how much has been done in the shadows like unless you know you or unless you've watched certain interviews where mm. this like the, this information's popped up, the Gary Vaynerchuk episode where you talk about the Knicks blog and how like your relation started with him, 
to people that watch a ton and listen to a ton, they're like, oh, this makes sense. You are where you are. To the people that will just come on to you because of a bigger name that you got on and then they start listening, they're like, wow, best interview ever. Who is this guy? And they go back in. It's wild how, again, like what you see on the surface is, oh, this dude is a podcast. He's done 250 episodes. That's amazing. But the, there's the prep, like the thought, the care, the communication, the how you want to see your world in media. And now it's just in a different form or the form that you really want to excel in. It shouldn't surprise anyone that's been watching you all your life. Yeah. I, I don't think my parents are surprised. I don't think my grandparents are surprised. I don't even think my friends who knew me in college and high school are surprised, frankly. Like, I think everyone who knows me at a deep level is like, oh, that makes sense. Like, congrats. Like, this is amazing. I've not gotten one hate comment from somebody I know. I've not gotten one negative piece of message. Maybe it's behind my back. Who knows? But literally every single person has told me, this is amazing what you're doing. And we knew you'd do something like this to some capacity. And I knew it too, but it's like, did I have the work ethic for a long period of my life? No, I didn't. Did I have the vision of exactly what it was going to be for a long time? No, I didn't. But I knew this was in me to some extent. And I'm sure the next thing I create or this thing that I build over the next 10 years will take a different form and will be in a different way slightly than it is today. And so it's, it's like navigating with that and not getting too attached to the vision that I have in my head in some respect, because when you get too attached to it of like, okay, this is going to be a podcast and only a podcast. I'm not going to do clips because the work will speak for itself. That's when you get in trouble. That's when I've gotten in trouble. That's when you get too cocky about your own skill. And it's like, how can I continue to navigate and be like, okay, no, I'm going to do TikTok, TikTok clips. Okay. I'm going to chop up as many as I possibly can. So yeah, I think it's, it's always been in me. I've always been extremely confident and I know where I'm going, but at the same time, I want to be able to navigate and believe that the things that I'm doing in six months might be slightly different than the things I'm doing today. And that's a good thing. Do you think you're underrated? A hundred percent, a hundred thousand percent. And I was thinking about this question in the shower before and how excited I am that I'm underrated because Larry King talked about this idea of him being a young kid and how that was the best time because no one expected anything from him. Could you imagine if Oprah's interviewing someone today and she makes a mistake and the entire world goes, Oprah, what are you doing? You're the best in the world. You're the best interviewer in the world. You made a mistake. What's wrong? with Just look at what happened with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's supposed to be the best interviewer in the world. He makes mistakes in the podcast. And look, he rightly got criticized for the mistakes that he made, right? So here I am. There's a, a power in being underrated. It's like, it's amazing. The come up, the climb is what it's all about. And that's the time when you're on the top of the hill. That's what you remember. So yeah, I'm underrated, but I hope I'm underrated for as long as humanly possible. And I hope, you know, I have millions of downloads and I'm still underrated. And I hope, you know, so that's my truth in this moment. But does it bother you that you're underrated? Because you are underrated. Thank you, man. No, it doesn't bother me at all. It's just the reality of being two years into something. Imagine LeBron James playing basketball for two years, right? It's like, is he going to be underrated by the world? Absolutely. But is he going to be underrated by the people who know him closest? Probably not. They're going to be like, this dude's, this dude's going to make it. This dude's a star. And not to compare my podcasting skills to LeBron James because that is a different level of talent and work ethic that I do not possess. But the point is that when you're early on in the journey, 
when you're two years in, you can't expect to be rated properly if you believe you're going where you, you believe you're going. Mm. How wild, okay? Only two years. One, the amount of episodes you put out. Two, the people you put out. Three, the skill and the respect that you've garnered. Yet, you take a look at what else started two years ago, and it was COVID, mm -hmm. and TikTok pops up, and you have this whole weird wave of fame where you have people in two years rising to immense fame, immense numbers that makes absolutely no sense. It's so destructive, but where you're coming from is, it's so refreshing to hear. It's like, yeah, I don't care where I, like, you're ready where you are. You're ready where you think you're going to be and you, you already are where you know you're going to be. And that's what's so powerful. But to your point, that's what's missing is I don't think there's that, there's that much development. Once you hit that peak, how do you develop? You have to, it's all about maintaining the image. It's not about refining to get to that point. And so how great that you can be in this position that, yeah, a million percent you're underrated. But that's amazing because there's no pressure. You can test stuff out and you can get to a spot where you're super comfortable that once it clicks, and it will click, but once it clicks, you're just smiling. And the interview is like, oh my God, dude, you blew up over the past six months. Like, how did you do it? And you're like, shut the hell up. <laughs> like, look at my journey. Let me show you. Nah, but I'm not like, shut the hell up. I'm like... I respect it because I remember some people discovering me a year ago and my mom saying, what do you mean they just discovered you? Like this, you've been doing this for a year. And I'm like, mom, this is how it'll work. This will happen every year for the next however many years I do this, right? It's like some people discovered Larry King this year and he passed away, right? And so I think this is just the nature of the concept of media and of business in general. It's like there are some companies out there who are doing hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in revenue that you and I have never heard of. And to us, those companies are not even in our world at all, but those companies are, are massive. So the point being that like, just because you're just because you're, you're starting something and building it up doesn't mean that someone won't discover you 10 years down the line or 20 years down the line. And that's okay. And not to have any ill will towards that. For sure. You know that feeling or that scenario? It just it reminded me of you meet someone, whether someone you know, someone you don't, and something in conversation sparks an element of like, oh, you're talking, you want to talk about something you found or someone you know that means so much to you. So for example, if I'm talking to a high school friend and I'm saying something like, oh, what are you up to? And I'm like, ah, not much, still podcasting. But too, by the way, I actually just, I just booked an interview with my buddy, do you know Danny, you obviously know Danny Miranda, right? And they're like, no, the hell's Danny Miranda? And I was like, what, what do you mean? You don't know who he is. And it's so hard to get out of the vacuum that you're in because we spend so much time there. And it's that curse of knowledge, right? It's like you think what you know is what everyone else knows because that's all we can really conceive. Mm -hmm. But that, it's so exciting. And again, there's marketing. You always got to meet. You always got to find new people, bring them into the fold because there's too many people that can benefit from what you're doing. Yeah, man. I, I had a, a YouTube short that talked about if Sam Parr is bullish on America. Do you know what I mean by bullish? Yeah. Serious question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. So what was surprising to me was there was three comments from people saying, what does bullish mean? Who actually uses this term? What is going on? And so I realized how much of an, uh, in a vacuum or in a bubble I was in marketing Twitter or 
investing or tech Twitter, where bullish is a commonly used phrase, but to them it's, it's not used at all. So I thought that was a really fascinating point. And I responded to those people saying, yo, my bad. Like, I'm going to change the text on this to make it understood to more people because I just think that's part of being in touch and understanding that not everyone knows everything. And it's a curse of knowledge, as you said, where you assume that just because you learned it, everyone else did. And honestly, that's one of the things that I think I can do better on in terms of the podcast is I jump into someone's story and go to a deep, dark place where people haven't explored often. But it's like, have I set the context? Have I asked the dumb question about who this person is? Sometimes the answer is no. And my interviews are with the assumption that you know this person. But what if my mom wants to recommend it to her friends who aren't in the Twitter world or the bubble or the universe where they know who Sam Parr or Sahil Bloom is, right? So I think it's it's important to cover your bases from that perspective, to give more people a chance to understand, to be inclusive in that way. And uh, it's something that I'm working on actively. Hmm. So I take this a completely different way. So Jordan Peele, the film director and creator, he is notoriously known for making his audience work throughout his movies. And I, there's something interesting about friction because what friction does to me is you're either attached to the thing that you really want to get over. Like, oh, this there's a brick in the road. I really want to get down the road. Cool, I'm going to move the brick. If it's, oh, there's a brick in the road, but I'm not in a rush, doesn't matter. I'm just going to go around. And so it almost like redirects or confirms where you're trying to go with friction. And I really like the interviews where you just dive in because even if I don't know who they are, I don't have to wait for the meet. Like you started off an interview with, I think it was uh, Elise, and you said something like, so tell me about the time you jumped out of a plane. And I'm like, well, what the hell? Oh, who is she? But that's a story I'm gripped onto. And then over time, naturally, you'll unpack her story or she'll unpack her story. But I think that's all right, man. I think that's unique. I don't like the, hey, Danny, tell us about yourself. Great. So where did you go to school? And let's go back to the start. There's a lot of people that do it and no shade. But I think you do it fantastically where you just drop in the bucket. Someone's like, yo, I just heard something. What is that? I'm intrigued. And then you really guide them throughout the rest of the interview. Yeah. No, I think you're, you raise a great point. And it's definitely something I got to think on. One way to do it where it's not just like, tell me your story is to tell the story for the person and just say, okay, here's the bio. And so you get like an intro with the bio and then you could go into the crazy question. For example, with Taylor Bell, who's a YouTuber, I gave her her bio in probably less than a minute. And then I said, okay, now tell me about the time that you modeled for Warner Brothers and you had 20 million views on a music video that you started. in. What happened there? So I think there's a way to do both almost and satisfy both audiences. I don't know. Something I'm, I'm working on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anyone, it's going to be you who, that, who figures that out. But this is an interesting topic because we're kind of talking about development of the craft. You talked about a couple minutes ago, oh, what if LeBron just picked up a ball in two years and decided or thought that he was going to be where he is? Obviously, that doesn't work and that doesn't help. How do you think about investing in yourself as a creator, as a podcaster? One, I think of every conversation I have truly as an investment in myself and the people I surround myself with as investments. I look at books as investments. I look at being in the room as an investment. For example, it's like 
I'm going to buy a train ticket to go to this event tonight with Sahil and, and Sam, Sam Parr and Sahil Bloom. And that's an investment, right? Because I'm going to meet people and connect to people that I otherwise wouldn't have. So I think, you know, the obvious things are like investing in better equipment or investing in the latest software. But for me, it's so people oriented that literally being at that dinner that you somehow got me invited to, got me guests like Nate O'Brien and Elliot Choi and people I didn't even know that they existed. But once I found them, I was like, wow, this is incredible. And these people respect me and what's going on here. So there's a lot of appreciation. And also it's like every good podcast I put out is an investment in myself. Every single piece of content I create that's good or that I approve of or that I'm happy with is an investment because that piece of content is something that someone can latch on to. It's something that people can get excited about. So yeah, that's kind of my answer to that. But how do you think about investment as somebody who's investment as a creator, someone who spends so much time in the space? I don't like this. This isn't a podcast for people to listen to me. This is a podcast to listen to you. I'd say very similarly. I think it depends. Depends where you are in the world, depends where you are in your journey. And similar to you, it's you can invest in resources and books. You can invest in being in the room. And I think that's super important right now. I think it's super undervalued is proximity. Proximity leads mm-hmm. to trust. Proximity leads to serendipity. Honestly, it's very similar to how we ended up meeting. It's like, again, I was throwing this event in New York. I asked Tom, who should I bring out or what creator should I reach out to? And your name was one of the couple that he pushed through. And I think I hit you on Twitter DMs. And I was like, yo, Danny, this is who I am. This is how I know you or know of you like come through. And I think the first time I was throwing an event, you're kind of like, nah, I can't make it. Sorry. And I don't know if there was ill will. Or, but again, it's like, I'm just a random ass dude. But then comes the second time. I'm like, yo, come through. And you're like, yeah, yeah great. I'm down. But it's because I was in the room. And now I'm in the room and I'm meeting you. And you, I remember you, you turned to Andrew Murnane before we, me and him were friends. And you're like, yo, you should have him on your podcast or something. And I was like, oh, yo, true. I should. Who are you? And so the proximity is huge, man. And again, it's because you and I are dot connectors. And so it, it changes in that way. But yeah, what a mentality that LeBron embodies, right? Like I'm going to put a million, two million dollars back in my body because my body's my vehicle. It's kind of like, what is our vehicle? I guess I kind of ask you, like, what is your vehicle? Yeah, I think about my voice as my vehicle. And I always think about what if I lose my voice? Like that's how I think these days. I'll become a writer, I guess, or something like that. But Even over two years, I've noticed how differently I sound. And I notice how in some episodes, I sound better or worse. And I'm like, I'm interested in that. What's happening there? Am I less confident in that moment? Did I prepare less for that interview? Why am I mirroring the other person in that context? It all matters. And this is back to my study in art of communication is like, this is what I do for fun. This is what I'm interested in is how do people communicate? What do, how do they do it? And how do, how am I communicating? How am I showing up? And I think the real thing that I need to invest in is probably number one would be like a vocal coach. If, if I had unlimited budget, vocal coach would probably be at the top of the list. Unpack that. What's wrong with your voice right now? (laughs) Right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with my voice. I love my voice. But where do you want to get to? Exactly. I don't know what I don't know. And similar to LeBron saying, I'm a great basketball player. Does that mean that he doesn't need the help of somebody to help him dribble better or shoot better? Right. So it's all 
it's very important. And I don't know, there's probably things I'm doing right now, breathing incorrectly or, or the way that I'm thinking or the way I'm structuring sentences. I don't even know what I don't know. All I know is that my parents are in the 90th percentile minimum of communication skills. And I probably got a bit of that. How do I take myself to the 99th percentile? And for me, the answer is do more podcasts, interview more people, talk to more people, record it, watch the footage back. But can I get coaching? Can people who have been in those rooms with the top vocal performers in the world coach me as well? I'm not at that place financially to make that investment, but that's how I would think about investing in Minecraft right now. So you say you do listen to your content, like you do rewatch your stuff. Oh, yeah. What's the cadence there? How often, what makes you watch something? Is it a practice after every episode? I love the content that I create. Like I genuinely love it. Okay. And, and so, you know, what's, if, you know, what's, you know, what's funny quickly on this is you put it in a context of an artist and it's almost like if Drake's at a club and new Drake's bumping and if he's kind of going like, ah, oh, this is, yeah, this is dope. So everyone's like, what a narcissist, like, who are you? But it's great how, again, it's, you love the craft so much, but sorry, I interrupted you. So you said you just really enjoy the conversations that come out from the yeah. environments you're setting up. Hey. Yeah. And, but on that point, it'd be interesting because if Picasso was in his room alone, looking at a piece of his own painting and was like to his friend, I really like this. We wouldn't look at that as narcissistic. I wonder if we look at it as narcissistic because there's more people in the room. And I don't know, what do you think's going on there? Where the narcissism is, we look at Drake's that situation with Drake as narcissistic, but we wouldn't look at Pablo Picasso looking at his own thing with one or two people as narcissistic. Such a good point, man. I guess it comes back to something my manager was talking to me about yesterday. And it's the idea of a lot of the times we value personality over context. And I think in this way, truthfully in this way, yeah, I'm from Toronto and yeah, Drake genuinely did put Toronto on the map. And what he's done for the city is unbelievable. But he's the biggest of the best. And if you see someone bumping to their own music out in public, it's mm -hmm. almost like, why are you doing this? Like, you're already big enough. Like, you don't have to. But like, it's weird that you're enjoying your own stuff. But the context, and that's personality driven. It's like, relax, Drake, you have enough. Like, you, you, you do enough already. And then people are like, oh, you'll steal from the culture. But the context could be, no, man, to your point, he's making music for him. He's making music that he loves. So it's natural that he's bumping his stuff. So in that context, yeah, like screw personality, that makes sense. For you, you're making content that you love. You're standing by it. So that makes a lot of sense. But it's funny how I guess we attach kind of the personality and who is that person that we're looking at and evaluating versus the flip. Yeah, because on that point, it's like if the person was a rapper who literally just had a, his first song pop off and he's playing it in the club... I don't know if we'd view it as narcissistically. Yeah. But because we've, like, I remember previous moments of my life when I was like scrolling through Instagram. And this is probably, I want to say five, maybe 10 years ago in high school. Okay. And I'd look at a girl's picture. The girl would have a thousand likes. And I'd look at it and be like, I'm not liking that. It's already got a thousand <laughs> likes. Like, that's not worthy of a thousand one. So I'm judging her based on the context of how other people are judging her. Yeah. Instead of just looking at the picture and being like, do I like this? And so it's interesting related to the Drake analogy. 
Yeah, man. Okay, so so you watch your stuff. What is something recently that you've learned from watching your stuff? I learned that I mirror people. And that's probably part of why the podcast is successful in that if someone's coming in with high energy, I intuitively come in with high energy too. And when somebody is stumbling through their words, I can have a tendency to do that as well. So that's something I literally learned in the past week. And it made me really conscious of how am I showing up? Because I realized, wow, this person was kind of stumbling and now I'm stumbling too. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't do that consciously. So I did that unconsciously or that was just a coincidence and trying to figure that out of what's going on there. Yeah, that, that's one thing that I really learned recently. And how I learned that is from chopping them up into clips. And so I previously had an editor, somebody who would chop up clips for me. And then I started saying, why don't I do this myself? I can get more done in a shorter amount of time. And it turned out the clips did better for me, maybe because I found the right moments to clip or because the editor was doing much higher quality stuff. But anyway, I found that out by doing the hard work of the thing that I didn't want to do and realized that it wasn't actually that hard. I just needed to commit to it. And so, yeah, that's taught me a lot of clipping my episodes. And I'm going to try to do that for as many episodes as I can in terms of figuring out, oh, how did I progress? How did I ask questions differently a year ago? How did I ask questions differently when I started? What I really like from this is, and I forget who it was that I was speaking to. They were talking about how, remember that they're a talent manager. Oh, I do remember who it was. And they're a talent manager. And I was asking, like, how do you spot talent? What do you look for? And one of the answers was, I look for a person that has tried it themselves, like tried core elements to their craft themselves, because then the vision's more clear. They know what they want. They're not giving criticism without any idea of really what they want. And then that's just going to lead to a lot of burnout. But that's also going to lead just to horrible relationships and just not a great product. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting. And I asked him, like, how far do you take it? And he goes, it doesn't matter. I just want to see intent. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's what you're doing here now. Yeah, there's dual purposes. But how do you think about, again, the, being the creator, being the podcaster that you are with a massive podcast, extremely successful, you're on this path of immense success. How do you think about the team around you? How do you think about controlling stuff yourself versus handing it off to someone else? Yeah, I mean, what comes to mind is the Dave Portnoy, Alex Cooper example of, are you familiar with this story? Keep going. Like, I know the scenario, but I don't know if I know this exact story. So, oh, Alex I know Cooper. exactly what you're talking about. Wow, that was horrible for the. That was horrible for audio. Whatever. <laughs> and I'm gonna whatever. and I'm gonna leave this in. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But for everyone listening, definitely run it through. So Alex Cooper went to Dave Portnoy and says, "Hey Dave, uh, I got this podcast. I'm on episode three. Here are examples of what what the podcast I've created is like." He looks at the footage of it, and the first thing he says is, "Wow, this is really good. Who edited this?" assuming that she outsourced it to someone else. And she said, no, I I did it. And in that moment, he knew that she was a superstar. And so that speaks to the do-it-yourself mentality, build it from the ground up. And once you get it going to a point, then outsource it. But, But to your point, you describe me as a massive podcast. I view myself as a small podcast. I view myself as underrated. I view myself as... We've gotten 3 million views in the last three weeks on TikTok. 
that's small. Let it be a hundred million, right? In in fifty two weeks. So, point being, it's like let's like know where I'm at. I got to know where I'm at and be honest with myself. This is not where I want this to be in a year's time or six months time. This is like a small fraction of what I want it to be. And even though on the surface, it could look like a massive podcast, to me, it feels small. I mean, some YouTube videos that I put out, 200 views, 300 views, some get 3,500, some get 10,000, but it's like, I'm small. I'm going at this from the the honest evaluation of like, this is not anywhere close to where I want it to be and asking why is that the case and then attacking as much as I can. So for me, that's currently as many TikToks as I humanly can make. I did 38 for the last episode. I did 62 with Sam Parr, right? I did 30 with a data scientist. I I did 25 for Nate O'Brien, right? So I'm just pumping, I'm pumping. And I'm going to keep pumping until I can afford to hire it out or I have a, a great thing that I can then, I have a great standard operating procedure which I can then pass along to somebody else. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this because Please. the one thing that I'm really interested with is what makes a world-class performer, but specifically in the arts around anything, a creative journey. And one of the things that keeps coming up is your basis is set and your bases, you don't have to think about them because you found that person who's been part of your team, been part of that journey for so long that it's, they're just another limb to your body. Oh, here's an editor. You think of Drake with 40. Like this is, he doesn't even have to worry about 40. He knows exactly what's happening. It's the same thing with routine, right? It's like you put it, you put routine in place so you can maximize the amount of thought it takes to tackle things in the day that maybe you haven't seen or that are more important. So wouldn't you think that it'd be more impactful to start building that team as you're on that rise? Definitely. And it's something I go back and forth with with my friend who is starting in the creator world as well. And he's been building and he's, he's all about the team. I got to build my team. I got to have my team. And mm. he's a little head, ahead of me on the journey in terms of TikTok and his growth. But I'm at the point where I don't have something at this moment that is so clearly working that I can outsource it to somebody else. Like, it's weird because it is working from my perspective in terms of podcasts, in terms of conversations, but it's not working from the amount of viewership that it's getting. So once I can make sure that, all right, this is, this is getting 10,000 views an episode and I know what works and I've, and I've put in the craft and the stones and the, I built this house myself. Now let me teach you how to build a house because I've done it. So... Mm. Um, mm. that, that's kind of, I, I just want to make sure that I'm standing on ground that I've built myself and not get too big for my britches and start thinking, oh, I'm above editing and figuring out Final Cut Pro because I'm not, mm. I got time. I got ability to dedicate to it. And honestly, it's making me a better interviewer as well to do it all myself and produce it all myself. And yeah, I mean that that's currently where I'm at. And you know what, by the time this publishes, if it's, you know, three weeks from now or, two months from now or whenever it is, it might be different. But in this current moment, on August 11th, 2022, I'm at the point where I'm saying, I'm going to, fuck it, I'll do it myself, basically. Mm, as Russ, Russ Yeah, I was, was going to say Russ mentality. 
So if we take this point and you take that perspective and that makes a ton of sense, what is the one thing right now that's limiting you from getting to where you want to go? What is the one thing you think? Yeah, the one thing I think is money because studio time, it's very easy. Well, it's not easy. It costs way, way, way less to record 200 plus interviews online, whether that's through Riverside or Zoom or whatever, Skype, whatever it is. But once I started recording in a studio, I was like, oh, wow, this is expensive. This costs money Mm -hmm. to produce a show of this quality. It costs a lot. So my biggest hindrance right now is the money aspect of it. And I'm trying my hardest to partner with brands that and or just one brand that works and can believe in me, similar to like a barstool model, not barstool because it's not in alignment with the content that I create, but a barstool like model where they look at Alex Cooper and say, okay, we believe he's talented. Let's Mm -hmm. buy into him and believe that we're going to get a good deal on the second half of the year or the second half of the contract versus the first half when they're they're just believing in me. What's wild is, actually, before I ask this, how easy it has it been to have those conversations to potentially find that person or that group of people that you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's in the early stages right now. So I, I can't really give you a good answer on that. But a lot of people are open to having a conversation with me, for sure. Because mm, mm. this is what's interesting, man. It's like you hear this right now and you hear everything you've said over the past 40 minutes and you look at your podcast and you look at guests and numbers and care and quality and output and the fact that it's all you, you're the only one doing this. To me, that's so worth the investment. Like, come on, you look at me and I'm like, I love podcasting. I love talking with people on creators, do it for 35 episodes, kind of like, all right, let me take a step back, focus on something else. Now I'm like, you know, I'm gonna bring it back. This isn't my core thing. Like, this is your core thing and everything checks off, man. It's like, if I could write a check right now, I'd be like, take whatever money I have, just go do your (laughs) thing. Because I just want to see where this goes, man. And there's just so much potential here. So let me flip that question then. What is something right now that's helping you reach your potential then? That you're doing, that you bought, that you've learned? Yeah, learning Final Cut Pro and just the basics of it has helped me so much. I mean, 3 million views in three weeks is pretty damn good for someone like me at my current level. And so and so, uh, when I said, all right, I'm going to learn how to do this and figure out how to edit videos and just chop them up as basic as it is and add in a little bit of pop-ups here and there and add music through TikTok and just all this little stuff. That's, that's what's helping me reach my potential is having the humility to learn something new. I like that a lot. And how's that journey going? Do you find that it's something that ref- is refreshing and rewarding or there are certain other feelings that come with it? Nah, man. I mean, if you are doing something that's getting positively rewarded, first of all, it's going to lead you to enjoy that activity more naturally. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what I was telling you before, intrinsically, it's very beneficial to learn more about how I interview and to learn about the different ways in which these interviews can get chopped up and how they can be post-produced. And it's been a hell of a journey because now I'm approaching interviews with a different mentality of like, oh, while I'm in the interview, I'm also thinking like, that's a clip. That's awesome. 
and not going so out of my way to manufacture a moment, but just to have it in the context of, wow, okay, if I take out this pause here and I do this, that's going to get a 10,000 views. And that's a cool feeling to know and another skill in my repertoire. Oh, it's not just an interviewer. This is also a TikTok editor. This is also uh, someone who can post-produce, right? So you're adding levels to your, your craft. And it would be similar to, I'm thinking of Kevin Hart right now, just popped into my mind, of he goes to the comedy show. Once he, he's there, he goes to a different city every week. He starts getting emails. He's collecting the email addresses of all the people that, that follow him so that he can get booked again when he comes back to that city. And it's like he's not just a comedian now. Now he's somebody who can tour. And it's like you slowly but surely build up your level of value to the world the more you do it and the more crafty you get with how you're approaching it. So that's kind of what I'm going through right now. Dude, it's amazing. It sparks in my mind a conversation that, do you know J.J. Redick? Are you a basketball fan? Yeah, of course. Duke, baby. (laughs) Number one shooting guard in what, 2006? Around that time, I used to... (laughs) I used to do the three, two, one, pretending I was JJ Reddick. <laughs> In the corner, just turn around off the back yes. foot. <laughs> yeah. He's an unbelievable interviewer. And there's such a cool crossover between pro player, absolute legend on the court, his mindset, and then being able to communicate it. So I watch his stuff all the time. I remember him interviewing point god, Chris Paul. And I remember JJ asking, when did playing basketball, when did the game slow down for you? I thought that was such an interesting like question and it makes me think of what you just said because you saying that in the moment you're thinking about a clip and you're still putting out the quality that you are and that's kind of autopilot. Podcasting, is, it sounds like it's slowed down. But it sounds like you're, you're in such control of your craft. Yeah, and it's a really good point. And I think that one thing that really helped me with it was meditation. And I don't hmm. meditate consistently at all. I haven't meditated in probably like two or three months. I've just been so in it, in the zone. But I think the lessons that I've learned from spending a lot of time with myself have really helped me because it allows me to realize that the first thought that I have in any given moment doesn't have to be my response. And Mm. if you can think, oh, that's an interesting clip, but then you can reframe yourself and get present in the moment of, wow, I'm having this incredible conversation. This person just said this. It allows you to to just have your brain and be able to juggle different things. So that's kind of, I think, what I credit to slowing down. And I I think for an example of this, I think I did this really well with Cody Sanchez. I don't I think it's probably like episode 131 or 151, something like that. Sure. But I I rewatched it and I was like, wow. It felt like looking, looking at the tape that... It was slowed down. The transitions were so smooth. It was just such great information. So, yeah, that that's an example that comes to mind right away of, of the game slowing down. Mm. And when the game slows down, that's a different tier. Such yeah. a different tier. Because the, the game that you're playing is not the same game that everyone else is playing. And what it reminds me of and what I want to bring up is, again, I'm super interested on this idea of how do you spot talent? Like, what is it that will make you speak with someone for 30 minutes or an hour and be like, oh, that guy, that girl, like they, them right there, like that's someone I want to invest in. And there's something that you said, and I don't even know when this was, but I picked it up that I was like, 
that right there, that's what it is for me. And you reframed your craft as not podcasting, but connecting deeply with other souls. Yeah. Like it's your own game, man. No one else is playing that game or maybe very few amount of people are playing that game. I'm podcasting. You're deeply connecting with other souls. Like how did you come up with that framing and what comes to mind when I say that? Yeah, man, it's a really, really good point. And the reason why I said that is because I'm constantly trying to break down what it is I'm actually doing and why I'm enjoying the conversation so much. And if it was just a podcast, then you insert yourself into other podcasts. So for example, I ran an NFT podcast for three months and I didn't like it at all. And I'm happy I did it. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. But I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, why isn't this enjoyable? But what I do on my own podcast is, what's the difference there? And the difference was I wasn't connecting deeply with another human being's soul in that NFT podcast case. And when I was doing my own podcast, I was getting to know someone deeply. I was trying to figure out their quirks, their insecurities, the things that made them them, just like you're doing right now, masterfully, right? But but that's what that's what I realized. I realized that from doing something that wasn't, but it was similar, but it wasn't what I actually enjoyed at a deep level. So mm. yeah, I think mm. what, what's a cool takeaway for people is try doing something similar to the craft that you love. So for example, let's say you love basketball. Well, do you enjoy soccer? If you enjoy soccer too, maybe it's the art of competition that you really enjoy. Maybe it's the way, the movements. Then try golf. Oh, do you not like golf? Why is that? Is it the pace of play that really attracts you? So if you can constantly go and hop to similar lily pads close by, you can really figure out what is it I'm actually doing here? Because it's not just that you enjoy basketball. It's something deeper. It's not just that you enjoy podcasting. It's something deeper. So try different things close to it and you'll you'll figure out what you actually enjoy. When do you get to a point where you stop trying different things? Or is it important to always keep trying things? Well, I was trying different things because one, money, and two, I'm young and trying to taste as many different things as I can to figure out what I truly enjoy. I mean, I think a life well lived is a... Sorry to interrupt, but how, so how do you know when it's that thing that you that you enjoy, right? Because we spoke about earlier, of you kind of don't know what you don't know. Yep. But to your point, you're just expanding your perspective to really hone in on what you like. So for you, how have you found or how do you know once like this is the thing? You got to follow the joy. You got to figure out the reason the podcast exists is because I had incredible random phone conversations with people from Twitter. And I said, oh, what's similar to this? What's similar to random phone conversations with strangers who follow me on Twitter? Oh, that would be recording them. Oh, how do I record them? I start a podcast. Oh, how do, how do I get better at doing podcasts? Well, I'm doing audio podcasts. How can I do video podcasts? Oh, I'm doing video podcasts now. How can I do in-person podcasts? Oh, I'm doing in-person podcasts. How can I get this to more people? Let's do clips. So you see the organic progression by just me following the joy. And before, before me doing the calls with strangers, I was writing. And so it's like, you, you look at what you're doing today and you say, am I feeling joy? Yes, no. Is this sustainable? Yes, no. Okay, let's figure out if this is enjoyable, if I'm intrinsically feeling joy from doing this activity, and if it's sustainable, then just keep doing it. 
And so that's yeah. that's why I put out so many podcasts. It's not because I'm trying to impress anybody or I'm trying to be somebody to someone else. I'm just just following my own joy and just seeing where that takes me. And so far, it's taken me to some crazy rooms that I didn't know that I could get invited to or that would would have me. And so I'm just yeah. going to keep going because the joy that I feel from connecting deeply with someone's soul is unmatched. And I realize that from doing it so many times. I'm going to take you out of this really deep spot and ask you a shallow question, but these are my favorite questions. Please. So who is the person that has unsolicited just reached out to you for no reason other than they just came across your stuff in the past three to six months that's blown you away or that surprised you the most? Hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's so crazy. I don't know if reach out, but just when I, when I really admire somebody and invite them on the podcast and they have such a good experience where they're saying, oh my God, I'm a fan of you now. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. That to me is so humbling because I respect them enough to bring them onto my podcast and then they respect me for the work that I did on them. And really, I mean, one guest said one time, what I feel like you're doing is you're making love to the guest. And it's, it's an absurd statement, but it's, it really is true in the sense of I'm trying to get, I'm trying to live in their skin and trying to know them better than they know themselves. And so whenever I can do that with any of the guests who really appreciate it, that's, that's who blows my mind where I'm like, yo, like, it's crazy that you of all people appreciate what I do because mm. I appreciate you so much. Amazing how you're so deep in your craft and a simple statement, as ridiculous as that statement was, but a simple statement like making love to your guests yeah. can just give you a completely different perspective on what you're doing or even set you off on a different path of what's that next thing of joy I want to try based off of what other people are seeing. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, I actually, the funny thing is I didn't think of it as that ridiculous. I was like, this is correct. Like this is the truth in the most, in a, in a vulgar, not vulgar, in a, in a sexual way. Like that's the truth of what's going on. And yeah, I, I was like, that's right. Like there's many yeah. ways to describe what I do. One way is to connect deeply with someone's soul and others to say, I make love to guests. So to me, it wasn't that ridiculous. So it just made sense, which is, yeah. is quite hilarious. I'm picturing now you reach out to someone on your hit list. Like, hey, I'm Danny Miranda. I run a podcast, 1% in the world. You know what? A lot of my favorite guests have told me is that I make love to them. Like, I, I'd love <laughs> to make love for you. To, <laughs> and like, see who bites. Who see, see who's the brave soul to be like, all right, you're associated with some big names that I respect. Like, I guess we can make love over a podcast. <laughs> well, Sam Parr approaches people that he wants to meet and he says to them, want to fuck? And that's his way to like get on the person's radar and to really like surprise them in a way. Cause who says yeah. that? So it, one way to get someone's attention is surprise or vulgar statements. So mm. maybe worth considering. Mm. Yeah. Then pattern interruption or breaking <laughs> the, breaking the expectation box for sure. That <laughs> I don't think I'll ever have the balls to do that, but in principle, in principle, it makes a lot of... Maybe that's the difference between why he's so successful and I'm not running businesses, nor do I want to run businesses. But everything that you've said over the past 10 minutes 
around who it is that you respect and why you respect them. And even over the past hour or whatever that we've been recording, as you get to the deepest, I'm not going to always say darkest, but deepest place of the individual. And so you've talked with tons and tons and tons of people. And you spotted Gary Vee when you were 13 years old. Now, this wasn't you being like, oh, I want to find talent that no one else knows. But you found a lot of people, like when we've spoke, you've told me, I brought up a name and you're like, yep, episode 52. And I'm like, wow, okay, sick. What do you look for? Like, what's an indicator to you in terms of talent? So a few things. One is good intent. How much do they value or like or appreciate the people who follow their work? I think that's a really good indicator. Are they responding to messages? Are they responding to comments? Are they taking the feedback in that somebody has left and are they changing because of it? Another is consistency. If they're just starting out, are they willing to do it enough times? Are they showing up every day? Okay, that's another thing. Are they excited about what they're doing? Are they doing it for somebody else or are they doing it for themselves? Okay, that's another thing. Then it's like, how do they form sentences? How do they edit videos? How do they record audio? I mean, I am, I'm blown away. How do they ask questions if they're podcasting, right? So all of these things are going into it. And I think what you're seeing when I'm identifying talent is that maybe I'm not where I want to be as a podcaster yet, although I appreciate all your kind words. I know what the bar of quality looks like. And if you know what the bar of quality looks like, everything else, it will take care of itself given a long enough time horizon. Because every time you do an interview, you'll be like, shouldn't have asked this question here. I stumbled a little bit here. I mirrored this person in a way I didn't like here. Okay, that's not, it's, a, it's about identifying quality. Can you identify quality? Which isn't, which isn't easy, man. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I'll tell you, like you, first thing you said to me that you got from your parents was EQ. So that makes a ton of sense because again, there's a, someone actually brought this up a couple of days ago and I think you're really going to like this is think of it as like a dog whistle. Like when you blow a dog whistle, only dogs can hear that noise. Only dogs react to that noise. Us as humans, yeah. it's like nothing else happens. So Certain people, and I would definitely say you're in that category, and there is that dog whistle. There's something that you can understand. Or there's things that you can dissect that the majority of us can't purely because of maybe your experience, your makeup, genealogy, and all that stuff. But it's interesting to see because you've spoken with so many high, high, high-performing people that I guess that idea of, of intent across the board is something that can be used to really identify the right people. Yeah, I mean, what would be interesting is like, let's pull up what I saw. Let's pull up the, the blog post I wrote about Gary Vee and actually see what I wrote about him in this, in this moment to see what exactly am I doing at 13 years old to write about him? Why did I choose to write about him? And we can mm. go to the record, right? Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. See, if this was the Danny Miranda podcast, this would already be in your mind. <laughs> and then we'd be talking about it, but no, we'll get no, there. No. Um, no. Not many. So the interesting thing around all of this is like, there's the obvious stuff, right? Of intent and consistency and what, like, what truly is the goal? Is it internal? Is it external? Like, one thing that I've noticed is someone that can win out of spite. What do you mean by that? It's one of my favorites that I've come across and it's come up and it's come up a bunch of times on the podcast and it's come up a bunch of times when I've just been researching humans. 
the idea of based off of something that happened or that other people have said about you, you are now driven to show them that no, no, that's not true. Like I can be the best. And now a lot of people be like, oh, well, again, that's not sustainable. But what it shows is that they have that thing in them. Like if they can unlock that thing, you just have to help them. If you're a talent manager, if you're someone in their circle, you have to help them reach that place every single day or you have to help set up their day so that they can reach that place every day. But if you can win out of spite, Childish Gambino, Awaken My Love, he goes number one pop, pop charts without a music video. People said there's no way you can do that. Same thing with like Madeline Turner when, they, when she got told, oh, you look, your videos sound like or look like Wes Anderson. She's mm -hmm. like, no, it's not, but I'll show you what a Wes Anderson, Madeline Turner video would look like. And she doesn't, and that goes viral. Like To me, that's, that's one thing that, that I've picked up that when I'm looking at talent, I'm like if you can do that, you've got it in you at least. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't tend to value that as highly, even though it can be a more powerful motivator. What I, I valued in Gary Vaynerchuk when I was growing up was that he was doing it in love. Like... He was creating the content. He was, it was all fueled by positivity and love. But I actually do think that negativity and in spite of and criticism and people telling you you can't is also an incredible way to win. And it's something that I probably changed my mind on in the last year in that negativity and anger is good fuel or that fuel that can be used to help you achieve heights. And I think Definitely. a huge part of my complacency for a long time was because I didn't have anger or people telling me I couldn't, right? When I, when I tell the story of like, you know, doing the podcast for two years and people being impressed and thinking, oh, this was so obvious that you're going to win. It's like, no one was telling me that I couldn't in that time. People were almost expecting that I could. So yeah, I mean, I, and I think there's also a benefit to creating your own insecurities or things to win in spite of. So for example was walking around my neighborhood the other week, probably two months ago, let's say. And it was dark out at night, but dusk. So the sun had set and a car egged me and like just a random car, random, don't have no idea what it was about. It could be a completely random incident. And I use that now as like, it felt like I got shot in that moment. And so, yeah, I use that negativity as a way to push myself a little further of like, oh, you think you can just egg me and that's what's going to happen? Like, you're crazy. And then you make up opponents in your head of like who that could be and and like yeah. old bullies and all, you know what? So for sure, that, for sure. That yeah, sort of thing. As we were saying, there's different, there's different ways to win and yeah. there's no right way. It's just, I think to what you had said earlier, it's like, is it, Internal or is it external? Like, are you doing it for you, even though you're acting out of spite? Or are you acting out of spite purely for someone else? And that's more on a destructive realm. Then potentially it can get, it can go down a place where it's maybe not as positive. But I definitely hear you. And I think the, the thing that comes to mind here is, well, where does podcasting go for you? Right? Like we talk, oh, it's in spite, out of spite. Uh, you talk 250 guests, you talk right. running your craft, you, like everything that you're doing, all you're doing is always for the pod. You're only two years in, which is what we've both keep, what we both keep saying, which is insane. We're going to look back on this in 10 years and it's going to be like, that's funny. <laughs> but where does this go? 
I don't hate, uh, uh, the last thing I'll say is that I don't want to be a career counselor, but like, where does this go? I'll tell you where I hope it goes. Yeah, please. And that's selling out an arena of Madison Square Garden in front of 20,000 people in a live podcast. That's where I hope it goes. Mm. But I mean, in truth, I have no idea where it's going to go. And I think the better I can get at surrendering to just let the process be what it is, the better mm. off I'll be. It's like, I'm going to give 100%. I'm going to give 100% to this moment. I'm going to give 100% to every moment that strikes me, whether it's podcasting or not. I like to say my whole life is a podcast, just sometimes it's recorded. And it's like, how can I give 100% to this moment as much as I possibly can? So where will it lead? Who the hell knows? But let's have some fun and let's treat each moment with the respect it deserves because it's, yeah. it's really an incredible thing that we're here on this floating rock and we're talking to each other in this way. It's like this is unheard of 10 years ago, let alone a 1,000, yeah. which is just a blink of an eye in the span of human history. So where does it go, For man? Sure. Let's just surrender to the moment and see where it takes us because your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I do have a guess, but I will... I will leave that internal for now. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this. The, the question I just posed was macro, it was huge. It was like, where does this go? And obviously you're going to tell me like, I don't, I don't know, but like we're just having fun and, and we're crushing while we go. Maybe 30, 40 minutes ago, we talk, you talked about like exploring and trying to find different elements of joy. What's that next thing that you want to do that's going to, that you see is going to give you joy in this realm of podcasting? Yeah, great question. So I think I think it's TikTok right now or just short form content in general and creating it. It's been a constant theme. You've heard it. And the reason for that is it's fun to do. It's helping me get better at conversations. It's helping me learn about myself and it's making it so that more people can see and share the podcast. So that is is where I'm finding joy in this moment, three weeks into creating clips myself. And hopefully that will lead to an interesting place in the next six months. Yeah. Yeah, man, man. Way too many questions and there's way too many tangents to go off. (laughs) But I'm going to, I want to respect your time, but I'm going to try something new. The whole point, I think, of these new episodes that I want to record is I want to talk to people that either I'd want to invest in and or people that I think are underrated. I think it's a ton of fun. If you can kind of curate, you, you talk about, the podcast for you is helping people see the world in a way in which you see it, which I think is amazing, especially with your intent. For me, it's kind of like, oh, well, let me give you a place to explore people that are going to do amazing things or maybe that are doing amazing things that you didn't know. So I'm going to hit you with five final cues. Okay, let's go. Here we go. Q1. Where are you most creative? I think it's having a conversation. Most creative when talking to people. Makes sense. That actually does make sense. Two, what's your favorite book of all time? Because we talked about Surrender before and I recommended it to a group of three people last night, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer is one I think everybody should read and it might blow your brain. So just get ready for some crazy, crazy stuff. If you've never read it, you definitely should check it out. Okay. Let's go pretty shallow. What are the three most important apps in the dock of your computer? Computer or phone? You can go either. Yeah, yeah. Computer right now, it's Chrome, 
Final Cut Pro, and Notes, the Notes app. Okay. Yeah, and, I pay to see those Notes app. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and I think for the, the phone, it's probably the Messages app, Twitter, and TikTok. Makes sense. Short form content is what this whole thing's been about subconsciously. Yeah. Yes, sir. Question four. Who's a creator you would invest in and why? Bro, so many people are coming to mind. <laughs> Just choose one. Just choose one. Um, and we can state here that the answer is not conducive to the fact that you'd want to invest in many different creators. But who's one course. that comes to mind? Uh, what was the first person that came to mind? Dickie Bush. Dickie Bush is going to be a, a billionaire. Twitter creator. He, I mean, I interviewed him on my podcast when he had a thousand followers on Twitter. Now he's got over 240,000, I think. And he is one, an incredible writer, two, an incredible business mind, three, really cares about people at a deep level, four, has such good intent with everything he does, five, is just like the work ethic. Like I can go on and on about this dude and hopefully I'll be able to clip this and send it to him on Twitter. And uh, yeah, man, Dickie Bush is just the man. Everyone should should follow him because he he is going to do incredible, incredible things in this lifetime. Shout out Dickie Bush, shout out 30 ship 30 for 30. That's right. Last question. Question five. Who's a creator that you think is underrated? Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. I think Gary Vaynerchuk is, is crazy underrated for what he's going to achieve. His, mm. okay. his media empire is, is huge, but I, I genuinely think he'll be the most famous person in the world for the longest period of time by the time that he, he dies. And I think that if given another 30 years... It's going to be ridiculous what, what that man achieves. And I think he is still massively underrated. And particularly in this moment right now, I like to see where the ebbs and flows of Gary Vee. If you noticed in 2020 versus 2021, he was NFT wave was coming in. Everyone was looking to Gary for advice. 2022, he's more head down trying to build V friends. So you don't get as much Gary Vee content in your feed and talked about as much. I've, I haven't heard the last time I heard somebody mention Gary Vee. And he is so massively underrated as a business person because even though he's achieved incredible things, I think it's like it's like looking at Zuckerberg or it's like, it's not a great comparison, but he's just going to be a titan of business in an incredible way and especially in media. And because no one's mentioned him in a while and he's not on the radar and he is just going to do incredible, incredible things over the next 20, 30 years given that time frame. Gary Vaynerchuk's my pick for being underrated was when I wrote about him in 2009 and still is today in 2022. Well, I love that answer. I think it's cool how you took it to a point of someone who is the top 1% of the 1% of the 1%, but still underrated because that's very, very fair. And the one thing that you talk, you talk Gary V when I was listening to your episode with him, dude, I had no idea. I feel like I must have come across who you were or come across you before Tom Boyd said, oh, go reach out to Danny Miranda, even though that name didn't ring a bell. Because that story of, oh, there was a kid who wanted to go to the book signing, couldn't, but he called the kid's parent. I was like, dude, I've heard this before. Wild how that's you. Yeah, I mean, I think that that tweet must have got, or that story I think has like millions of impressions. So mm -hmm. it's funny how much we see and how much we consume, especially in the, the world of social media and media in general, we see a lot mm -hmm. of stuff. And you seeing that for one second 
might have just like registered something and then it might have clicked again when you're like, oh, it's mm. that dude. Wow, that's weird. So, I mean, I, I introduced myself to somebody the other day and we were talking and then he's like, oh, what's your podcast again? And then he pulled it up on YouTube and he's like, oh, I've seen you. And I'm like, that's crazy. We just had a full conversation or like, and so the point is he probably saw it in a feed one time, saw a clip, whatever it is. But the point is that it takes people a while to remember you and to associate you with, and, and that's why it's so important to stick with it for a long period of time. Cause there are people that have seen one clip of me and are like, ah, fuck this guy. And then they see a second and then they're like, oh, okay. And then a seventh and then a 10th and then five years from now, a hundredth. And they're like, oh, I actually like this dude. It takes time to get on people's good sides. Think about being a friend. Like the first time you meet someone new, you're, you might be like, oh, I don't like him. But if you, if you really get to know them at a deep level, it's like, and they have good intent and they're hardworking and they're kind. And it's like, all right, I like you, Joe Rogan. I've seen enough of your clips. You're a good dude. You're hardworking. Like you got me. So it takes a while. So here's how we're going to end this off. I think there's something really powerful in reach of a message, right? Of, mm -hmm. of who you are, what you believe. And so I'm going to start ending off every single podcast not by asking people where they can find the guest, but I want you to tell me what is your most viral tweet. I have it up right here, and I'm not going to say what it is, but I want you right now to guess what your most viral tweet is, and then everyone can go, and I'll link it in the show notes to go figure that out, and that's how people will find you. It's crazy because I have Tweemex too, and I should know it, but I don't... What's Tweemex? Tweemex is an app that shows you the most viral tweets of anybody. So interesting. it's a really cool app, especially for podcasters or people researching anything. If mm. you can look up someone, you can pull up someone's profile and immediately see their most viral tweets. So hmm. good on you for doing that. I have no clue what my most viral tweet, was it something to do with Gary V? No, but we'll end it what? there. We will. Oh no, we will I, end. I remember. Okay, I remember. go. Okay, go, 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 go. Um, go. What is it? It's about, it's a list of all the things that you can do to be happier, I think. And it's like things that are free. <laughs> it's explained so poorly. Things that are free that are accessible anytime, any place, anywhere that will enhance your life. And there's a bunch of them. There's probably like 10 or 20, but I, I couldn't begin to list them. Stuff like working out, meditating, reading. Is, is this correct? Well, I guess you'll find out. This has been an incredible episode. Dude, you're an absolute legend. I'm so lucky to know you. I'm so lucky to be a part and be able to watch you on the journey. You inspire a ton, a ton of people. Keep doing you. It's crazy how this is August 11, 2022. And it's hard to know where this will go. But for real, man, keep doing you. Everyone follow Danny's journey. And I will link that tweet in the show notes so you can one go find him but two go see if he was right damn that guy is something special to be able to hear how all in he is on becoming the best podcaster in every sense of the word for both his content and his vocal communication and the guests and the question he asks on and on it's just inspiring and hopefully you get the same feeling that I do, that after listening to this podcast, you can say that this guy will be the best. 
And it's cool to have an hour and 15 minutes recorded while he's on his journey so that we can look back in a couple of years and say, you know what? I told you so. Well, if you liked the episode, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'd be greatly appreciated. Got some amazing conversations coming up with some other really cool creators in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. And as always, if you have a creator that you feel is underrated or that you'd love to invest in, tell me who they are. I'm at D-A-T-K-E-E-D on all socials and we'll see you soon.